the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. TBN Pinellas Park, WTWD Plant City, WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Online at Let's Talk Faith. Portions of this hour have been pre recorded for broadcast at this time. Odyssey. The following program was pre recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Many times Christians tend to feel just intimidated by thinking that that we can never be used like other people because you know what? We didn't go to the same school they went to. We didn't go to a Christian college or a Bible college or a seminary. We, We don't know the Greek. We don't know the Hebrew. How could we be used like this person? We're not as smart as this person. We don't have those skills and gifts and and abilities. It's very easy to be intimidated, but we don't need to be intimidated. If anything, the apostles teach us, throw intimidation out the door. If God can use these guys, he can use us. We are glad to have you with us today for Verse by Verse. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff is leading us in a series of lessons about the king's ambassadors. Our main text is Matthew chapter 10, so you might want to turn there now if you can. Pastor Steve has been serving at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Now his practical, biblical messages are available through this radio station and through Verse by Verse Ministries. It has been well said that God isn't the least bit interested in our abilities. It's our availability that He wants. The twelve disciples sure didn't demonstrate much ability, but God used them to spread the good news of salvation. He still uses people like you and me, not with the same authority as an apostle, but in this age, we are his plan A, and he has no plan B. Why did Jesus choose such ordinary men, and why 12 of them? Well, here is Pastor Steve to explain. They were also, and I think the most significant thing about these men, they were lacking in personal devotion to Christ, which became very evident when he was arrested, because all of them fled when the soldiers took Jesus away. They all fled every one of them. And yet, here's the point, with all of their character flaws and all of their glaring inadequacies, Matthew tells us at the beginning of chapter 10 that Jesus specifically chose these 12 men to be his official representatives, to share in his ministry, and eventually to transform the world by spreading his gospel. That that is amazing. Just amazing. When you realize what they were like, and the fact that he chose them. And folks, realize this. He chose them knowing full well all their faults, all their weaknesses, all their character defects, and yet he still selected them. Still selected them. And he selected them, I might add, out of all of his followers. By this time in his ministry, there must have been hundreds of disciples, hundreds of, of Jewish people who attached themselves to Jesus. And, and I say that because we know that, that later on, he sent out 70 of them. So he didn't just have 12. He had at least 70 and, and probably a lot more. But he chose these particular 12 men to become his apostles. And I find that very encouraging. 
It ought to be an encouragement to every one of us because what it tells us is that with all of our faults and all of our inadequacies and defects, and we're really no different than these men, we're made of the same stuff, Jesus can still use us. If he used them, he could use us. You know, many times Christians tend to feel, individual Christians tend to feel just intimidated by thinking that we can never be used like other people because, you know what, we didn't go to the same school they, they went to. We can't be used like this person because we didn't go to a Christian college or a Bible college or a seminary. We, we don't know the Greek. We don't know the Hebrew. How can we be used like this person? We're not as smart as this person. We don't have those skills and gifts and, and abilities. It's very easy to be intimidated, but we don't need to be intimidated. If, if anything, the apostles teach us, throw intimidation out the door. If God can use these guys, he can use us. Why did he choose men like this? I'm going to focus more on this at the end of our time together today. But, but let me give you just a glimpse of why he chose these men. Second Corinthians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul spoke about not apostles in particular, but believers in particular. Why, why would he choose men who were so weak? Why not the elite of Israel? Why not the, the men of social prominence of his day? Why a bunch of fishermen and others that, frankly, if Jesus hadn't chosen them, nobody would ever think of them today. Nobody, they'd never go down in history. Would have passed away like everybody else and uh, all the unnamed people of, those, of, of that generation. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says this, but we have this treasure. He means the gospel. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. We are the earthen vessels. We are jars of clay. He's saying we are weak jars of clay, frail, that if you drop us, we crack. We have this treasure in earthen vessels so that here's why God uses us. Here's why he's, he's called us and chosen us and placed the glorious gospel in us so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. The great truth is this, when we look at the apostles and see how used they were of God and he did transform their lives we ought to be able to say, you know what, that's just like us. In and of ourselves, we're, we're nothing, but the Lord uses weak, inadequate people so that he alone gets the glory. So that when people see how he uses us, they, they say, it's obvious it's not this person. It's obvious that it has to be of God because this person is weak and frail and quite inadequate. That's what Paul is saying. He's put the gospel in uh, the treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God enough from ourselves. That everybody would know that it can't be us accomplishing this stuff. It has to be by God's grace and power. See, any other explanation for, for why the Lord may use us stems from sinful pride. It's all about exalting ourselves because we think of ourselves more highly than we should. If you think God should use you because of your education or because of your skills or because of your intellect, then you've missed the point. You've missed the point. Then the Lord is going to oppose you because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Now, as you'll recall from our previous studies in Matthew's gospel, up to this point in our Lord's ministry, he's done it all alone. He's ministered alone. Though there were many in Israel, as we said, who had become his disciples, none of them had been asked to participate in his ministry. Not, not one. He did everything himself. He proclaimed the good news of the kingdom himself. He taught 
by himself. He cast out demons. He healed those who were sick and diseased. And, and what did his disciples do? Well, they just followed him around. They observed him. They listened to his teaching. They obviously had private interaction with him, but they were not involved in the work itself. He did that alone. In the closing verses of Matthew chapter 9, we see a definite shift now in Christ's ministry. Let me remind you, starting at verse 35. Matthew 9, verse 35, Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, means in Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness and seeing the people he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Having traveled all over Galilee in the synagogues, teaching the people, we're told now that Jesus had a broken heart because he looked at the people and he saw them as bruised and battered sheep. Why? Because they had no, no loving shepherd to care for them, no loving shepherd to protect them from the burdensome man-made religious traditions inflicted upon them by the scribes and Pharisees. That's why later in Matthew's gospel, Jesus said, come unto me all who are burdened and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. The burdens were placed on them by the religious leaders. Those men who should have been shepherding them were actually the ones harming them by spiritually abusing the people. And so Jesus turned to those who were with him, his many disciples, traveling companions, and he said, pray, pray for the father to raise up workers to send forth into his his field. Pray for the father to send out laborers to minister to these herding sheep. In other words, these men were to pray for God to raise up caring shepherds who would now join him in ministering to these bruised and bleeding Jewish sheep. And so that's why, folks, chapter 10 opens by immediately telling us the names of Christ's 12 followers. Notice verse 1, Jesus summoned his 12 disciples. See, what we're being told here is that they're the answer to prayer. Jesus said, pray that the Father would send forth laborers. They prayed, and now we're being told 12 of them were the answer. These 12 men. Jesus told 12 to send out now to be his official representatives. And they're now known, not as just 12 disciples, but according to verse 2, they're now 12 apostles. Notice the beginning of verse 2. Verse 1 says he summoned 12 disciples. Verse 2 says the names of the 12 apostles are these. So 12 of them have now been changed from just ordinary disciples into apostles. What's the difference? I think this will help us. We need to understand what is the difference between a disciple and an apostle. Well, the word disciple simply means a learner, a student. That's really what it is. In this sense, all believers in Christ are disciples in every age. If you become a disciple of Christ, you are a student wanting to learn from him, wanting to follow him. During his earthly ministry, as we said, there were many who attached themselves to Jesus in a student-to-teacher relationship. He was a recognized rabbi. They were his disciples. They followed him around. They listened to him as they walked alongside of him. They learned from him, and, and they just observed, observed what he did. The last night that Michelle and I were in Israel, it was a Friday night. It was actually a, uh, the Sabbath, and there was also a special uh, uh, Jewish feast. And we sat... Uh, outside one of the, the walls of the area, near the wall in, in Jerusalem, and we saw 
uh, ultra-Orthodox Jewish people, both men and women, hurrying back and forth. I think they were going to the synagogue, then going home, and they move so fast, I have no idea why. I, I would love to find out why, but they, there's no one, there, not one of them moving at a slow pace, and I don't know why, but they were moving very, very fast. And Michelle said, look, look over there. There was a rabbi, I assume he's a rabbi, he was a, uh, the leader, um, one of the Hasidic Jews, and surrounding him were a bunch of young men interacting, talking, with him. They must have been asking questions. And he was, he was talking to them. They were talking to him, probably about seven or eight of them. And Michelle said to me, don't you, don't you, can't you just picture Jesus being like that? Walking along and having his disciples just around him. They're interacting. They're asking questions. They're obviously looking to him for answers. That was just a great visual picture of what it must have been like. Well, that's, that's really what was happening with these men. That's discipleship. They were learning from him. But while all of Christ's followers were considered his disciples, only a few of them, 12, were chosen to be apostles. So what is an apostle? The word apostle literally means someone who is sent out. We would say a messenger. And there is a sense in which we can say all missionaries and all vocational Christian workers have been sent out by the Lord. In that non-technical sense, they are apostles. But when the Bible refers to the 12 apostles, it's using that expression in a technical way. It is always a reference, not simply to those who were messengers, who were called to witness for him, like all of us are called to witness for him, but rather the 12 became his official representatives, ambassadors. They were given full authority to represent him, act on his behalf, speak on his behalf. In other words, the 12 apostles were sent out as official representatives of the King, of Jesus Christ. To hear them preach was in essence to hear him preach. To hear them teach doctrine was in essence to be taught doctrine by Christ. For them to act concerning matters of the faith and and the church was in essence Christ acting through them concerning matters of faith and the church. Therefore, the apostles never gave their own message. They always gave his. And when they spoke and taught and wrote, they were supernaturally guided by the Holy Spirit so that they uh, proclaimed his precise words in their teaching. That's why the apostles' doctrine was and continues to be the foundation and standard of what we practice Today. It says that in Acts 2.42, the church at Jerusalem continued daily in the apostles' doctrine. We call that today the New Testament, the New Testament letters. And when they wrote individual letters to the churches, this is why they always began a letter by saying an apostle of Jesus Christ. So you see, the title of an apostle marked that man as one having the right and the full authority to act and speak on behalf of Christ. And that's precisely why Jesus chose these 12 men to be his apostles. Now, let me just tell you something that that should put this together. According to Luke chapter 6, Jesus has already indicated which of his disciples would be his 12 apostles. Matthew's not telling us the initial selection of these men. Keep that in mind. According to Luke chapter 6, verses 12 and 13, Jesus called these men. He selected them. He told them which ones he was selecting to be his 
apostles. That would have taken place right before the Sermon on the Mount. But remember, Matthew doesn't always present his material in chronological order. He presents it in topics. Now, in light of that, in light of the fact that they were already chosen to be his, uh, his apostles, you may wonder, so if, if these men were chosen, what's the point of Matthew 10? Well, what is he telling us in Matthew 10? Well, what Matthew 10 records for us is not the initial selection of these men, but Matthew chapter 10 is about instructing these men for upcoming ministry. It's probably now several months after the Lord said, you men will be my apostles. And now Matthew is telling us that Jesus is about to, to open the ministry up to them and they need instruction. They need to know what they're doing. They need to know what to expect. They need to know what to say. They need to know how hard it will be. Their ministry is fast approaching and Jesus was about to send them out. He would, by the way, send them out uh, two by two. And, and do ministry, and then they'd come back, and he would uh, talk to them, and they would explain what they did, and he'd give them more instruction. But that's what Matthew 10 is about. So at the beginning of this chapter, it's helpful for us to understand that Jesus is giving them instruction. For example, notice verse 5 of Matthew 10. These 12 Jesus sent out after instructing them, do not go to the, the way of the Gentiles. This is the instruction. Don't go to the way of the Gentiles. Don't enter the city of the Samaritans. Rather, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So he has to tell them where to go and where not to go. As you go, verse 7, he says, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So go, preach, explain about the kingdom, but do it only to Jewish people. In verse 17, he wants them to know how difficult it's going to be. So he says, beware of men. They're going to hand you over to the courts, scourge you in their synagogues. He goes on in verses 24 and 25 to speak of discipleship. If they treated me horribly, uh, understand they're going to treat you horribly. It's not going to be an easy road. In verse 28, he's going to tell them, don't fear those who can take your, kill your body. Don't fear them. God cares about you. He'll sustain you. He'll give you his grace and all of that. So this is a practical instruction before sending them out. However, even before sending them out, Notice what verse 1 says. Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Now, why is this important? The reason that Jesus gave these men divine authority to, to heal, to cast out demons, was to authenticate their ministry. Because this is what he had been doing. And when the people saw that they did the same thing with the same power that Jesus did, they would be obvious to them that they were Christ's representatives, that he had uh, given them this power and authority. In other words, the miracles done by them authenticated them as Christ's apostolic ambassadors, even as the miracles done by Jesus authenticated him as God's Messiah and King. And so, having told us in verse 1 that Jesus gave these 12 disciples his divine authority to perform these validating miracles. Matthew now takes verses two through four to identify for us the names of the individual 12 apostles. Now, before we do this, and a lot of this is introduction, but helpful, I believe, we need to ask ourselves a few questions. Why 12 of them? Have you ever asked yourself that? Why, would, why is there 12 of them? Why not 10? Why not 20? Why not less? The number 12 is not a random number. It is a significant number. And 
I believe that Jewish people would have immediately picked up on this. Let me explain. The number 12 was associated with national Israel since the nation consisted of 12 tribes. See, Abraham had a grandson by the name of Jacob. Jacob's name was changed by God to Israel, prince of men. That's where we get the term Israel. Israel is Jacob. Jacob, or Israel, had 12 sons. Each son formed his own tribe of descendants, and so the Jewish nation came to be known as the 12 tribes of Israel. Uh, As someone said, you can remember it uh, more easily, it's just Jacob's dozen. And so you have the 12 tribes of Israel. Therefore, in appointing, watch this, 12 apostles, our Lord is very clearly indicating to the Jewish people that he is establishing something brand new. This is all part of the new covenant because these 12 men would become the new spiritual leaders of his people. That's precisely what he spelled out in Luke chapter 22. Let's look there. Luke chapter 22, starting at verse 28. I think when you'll see this, you'll go, oh, that's what that's about. Luke 22, verse 28. Jesus said, you are those who have stood by me in my trials. Now he's speaking to the 12. And he said, and just as my father has granted me a kingdom, I grant you that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. And you will sit, notice this, on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. What he's saying here in addition to being his official representatives now in what we know and call the church age, in the future millennial kingdom, which has not come yet, the future kingdom which Christ will rule out of this earth, from this earth, these 12 men, these 12 apostles, will rule with Christ over the 12 tribes of Israel. It was a significant number. In essence, what our Lord is really doing is he's saying to apostate Israel and their and their false leadership, I'm setting the leadership of Israel aside. I'm, I'm giving new leaders, new leaders. These men, these 12 men are my new leaders. And, and the men understood, eventually these men understood that 12 was significant because remember when Judas disqualified himself in the beginning of, of Acts chapter 1, they all got together and said, you know what, we have to find a replacement. There needs to be 12 of us. And they chose a man by the name of Matthias who would from that point on become one of the 12 apostles. Now another question, and I, and I raise this because I think uh, someone must be asking this, or you will wonder, where does the Apostle Paul fit in? He was not one of the 12. He was not one of the 12. The New Testament makes it clear that Paul was not amongst the 12 apostles since he was converted later in time. Nonetheless, he was still a true apostle. Paul is, in addition to the 12, the one man who had full apostolic authority, just like the 12. He had the same divine authority, the same leadership privileges as as the others. In 2 Corinthians 11.5, he acknowledged this by stating, For I consider myself not the least inferior to the most eminent apostles. He's stating that he belongs. He's on the same level as the other 12. He's the apostle to the Gentiles. And I might add, the other apostles recognize this. Peter in 2 Peter 3.15 and 16 speaks of Paul's writings as Scripture. He recognized Paul as having divine authority in his writings. 
Pastor Steve will continue this message in our next Verse by Verse. Thank you for listening today, and we hope that you can join us next time for the conclusion of this first message about the King's Ambassadors. Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel is leading us in these series of Bible classes. He has been giving expository or verse-by-verse messages for over 26 years at Lakeside. Verse-by-verse ministries brings them to your radio through this great station. Verse-by-verse ministries is a faith ministry made possible through the gifts and prayers of listeners who are faithful to their home churches first. If you would like to hear this entire three-part message at once, you can order a CD or a cassette by calling us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will return your call during weekday office hours. That number again, 727-441-1714. Our website is versebyverseradio.org. If you would like to listen again to today's class or go back and review previous lessons, just head on over to the website. We offer a free podcasting service if you would like to make sure that you don't miss any future classes. You will be able to learn more about Pastor Steve and Verse by Verse Ministries at our website or by signing up for our free newsletter. That's versebyverseradio.org. Have you ever wondered just who were these rather nondescript men that Jesus used in such an extraordinary way? What were they like? Where did they come from? What made them special? Or were they... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.